Welcome to the first episode of Political Food. I'm Adrian. And I'm Olivia. For this first show, we're going back to 1574, to the Siege of Leiden, where we're going to unpack the legend behind chutzpah. This dish is a mash of carrots, potatoes, and onions. And if you want to know more about how to make it, you can go find the recipe on our website, politicalfood.xyz. Or you can just wait to the end of the show and we'll talk you through it. But first, the food history disclaimer. Dun, dun, dun. Recipes and food origins are generally rooted in hearsay and stories passed through generations. The nature of recipes is that they evolve over time. So while some of the histories we talk about may be pretty reliable, they have reliable sources and could be close to the truth. Some are more the stuff of legend. The point being, take everything with a grain of salt. <laughs> We'll let you know about our sources, and you can find links to everything online, wherever you found this podcast. So if we get something wrong, just you can just tell us. Yes, but be nice. Treat us well. Hutzpah is a traditional dish from the Netherlands, meaning that it's Dutch. Just in case you always mix up Dutch and Danish like I do, Dutch refers to the Netherlands which includes Holland, and Danish refers to Denmark. And Denmark is right under Norway, while the Netherlands borders Germany in the east, Belgium in the south, and the North Sea in the west. Um, the story of Hutzpah starts in the 16th century. 1500s. With the Eighty Years' War. Also known as the War of Dutch Independence. Exactly. So, this war was between the Dutch and the Spanish, and started around 1568, and ended around 1648. But there's pretty substantial periods of peace, which includes a 12 years truce. So, 80 years war seems kind of misleading. Yeah, well, generally, the whole war was the fact that the Dutch got really annoyed that the Spanish were occupying them. They didn't want them to be there anymore. And the overall cause was generally what you'd expect. Taxes and religion. Exactly. Short story is, in the mid-16th century, the region that is now the Netherlands and Belgium was controlled by the Spanish. Who were at that time a part of the Habsburg Empire, also known as the Holy Roman Empire. Yes. And although Antwerp, which is in the northeast part of Belgium, was a major economic hub at the time, the resources there were being used for all sorts of things that the Dutch people weren't happy about. Like various foreign wars being waged by the Spanish. And generally, the control was being more and more centralized through Spanish rule, which upset a lot of local states. Also, the local Dutch areas are paying more and more taxes to this central Spanish ruling class. On the side of religion, the Spanish aren't really known for being the most tolerant of people. The Inquisition! Let's begin! Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition! And this was also true in the, in the Netherlands. So, basically, the Dutch are upset about states' rights... Religious freedom and taxation. Does that sound kind of like some other wars we know about? Yeah, just, you know, a few. A little familiar. A few wars. Yeah. It's also worth mentioning a guy called William of Orange, also known as William of Silent. A.K.A. Also known as the Prince of Orange. A.K.A. Because he's pretty instrumental in defeating the Spanish. Basically, this guy is coming from Dutch nobility and wealth, but he works pretty amiably with the Spanish in the, like, the beginning of the 1500s before the rebellions start. And eventually, he's actually appointed by Spanish nobility to govern a region for the king. But within a few years after that, um, as power became more centralized and taxes continued to increase, William's allegiances shifted more towards the rebel Dutch. Maybe he also didn't like 
the sort of religious oppression and the really harsh treatment of the Dutch people that the Spanish were inflicting on them. There were some beheadings and some torture happening. But whatever the reason, he did lead a bunch of Dutch rebellions. But more on the subject of food. Because that's what this show is about. Correct. There is a popular and yet kind of unsubstantiated legend about William of Orange being the reason behind the orange carrot. I've definitely heard this one. Just in case you haven't, the story goes that in the mid-17th century, 1600s, Dutch farmers worked on cultivating orange carrots to honor William. Before this, carrots were either purple, as they are in Asia, or a yellow-white color. Which is like the European right color, I guess. Right. Anyway, this is kind of maybe probably definitely a myth. Yeah, it's generally accepted that orange carrots didn't appear until the 17th century, but it does seem fairly unlikely that they were cultivated for William at Orange specifically. Yeah. And if you want to know about orange carrots, might I recommend the Carrot Museum at carrotmuseum.co.uk. That is a real thing. Yeah. Absolutely a real thing, and you should check it out. It's kind of fascinating. They really know a lot about carrots. They have one job, and they're really good at it. Anyway, that's the super short version of what the uh, Dutch War of Independence is about. And carrots. A little bit about carrots. They're important. Look, Muggsy, he's gonna shoot us with a carrot. (laughs) I bet you're wondering where Hootspot enters into all of this. So, to answer that, we're going to jump ahead to October 1573 to the Siege of Leiden. Also, to place you in time right now globally, um, Shakespeare is about 10 years old at this point, Ivan the Terrible is Tsar of Russia, and it's about 30 years before the founding of Jamestown. So, Leiden, which is a city located near the sea in the west of the Netherlands, in South Holland, south of Amsterdam, north of Rotterdam, it's got a lot of canals and rivers and water and windmills and like really Dutch looking things, at least in pictures. It looks like a high end miniature golf town. <laughs> it's really beautiful. And again, not really sure what a miniature golf town is. If they exist, Leiden is it. Also known from Leiden is the mathematician and fellow who computed Pi, Ludolf van Kuhlen. If anybody knows, let me know. And also, there's a local internet cat, which for some reason that I do not understand has a Wikipedia page. His name is Bertspostbletter. Bertpost? Internet sensation <laughs> cat, Mr. Bletter. He exists. It's real. <laughs> he, he was hit by a motorist. <gasps> oh, you didn't tell me that? Well, you, I mean, his Wikipedia page is like a paragraph long. You could have read that yourself. Oh, oh, I was unaware that he died. Well, anyway. I, I learned right now that he died. You, didn't, you don't even know what he looks like. What, what color is Does, he? I, I don't... Cat color. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's right. Still sad. You don't anyway. even know. Right. Back to 1573. Before internet cats. Yeah. So at this time, Leiden is a Dutch city. <laughs> That's mostly full of rebel Dutch. So it's not a Spanish city. And in October of 1573, the Spanish decide that this... That they want to change this. So they surround the city and try to cut off the resources in hopes of weakening the Dutch and taking them over eventually. So to try and help them out, William of Orange sends an army to try to get rid of the Spanish. However, it doesn't work out too well, and the Orange army is defeated. 
But, luckily for the Dutch, the land surrounding Leiden is difficult for the Spanish to manage. It's wet, it's boggy, it's gross, it's not anything that you want to be hanging around in for a long time. Plus, the Leiden city defense is pretty good, so they don't actually get taken over right away. But the Spanish do manage to just keep it surrounded, and they do cut off their resources. They they deal with the bog. Yeah, they just try to basically wait the Dutch out, hoping that they'll starve and surrender. Yeah, this continues to go on for a while, and there's actually another little legend, side legend, um, that talks about a Dutch woman named Magdalena Moons, who manages to postpone the Spanish from attacking the city by agreeing to marry Spanish commander Francisco de Valdez. Mm -hmm. And she postpones that for a while, but by May 1574... About seven months after the beginning of the siege. The Dutch are starving. They're thinking about giving up. William of Orange is sending the messages through a carrier pigeon. Correct. Yeah, he's trying to convince them to hold out. And they're saying, we want to surrender. We want to surrender through carrier pigeon messages. <laughs> and he's sending them carrier pigeon messages back. His writing is getting more frantic. I don't actually know that, but I just imagine it. <laughs> and he's sending back carrier pigeons that say, no, I have a plan and I'm going to send reinforcements. So his plan is to break the dikes outside of the city and basically flood the Spanish out. And long story short, by August, they do this. They break the dikes and reinforcements are sent. But at this point, William gets sick. Worst time ever to get sick. And then he was delayed a few extra weeks. Which just seems like such a ridiculous reason to delay troops. I know, but he just wanted to be there. But they do finally show up in September of 1574. So 11 months after the initial siege. And they defeat the Spanish forts over the next couple of weeks. Basically, the land was flooded at this point, And all of their little spots turn into tiny, tiny islands. And as the water is rising, they decide that they need to get out in a hurry. So the city is saved. Minus the thousands who died of starvation in the meantime. And the other thousands who died of the plague, because they also got the plague. (sighs) Leiden was not a great place to be at that point. No. And the only reason they didn't surrender to the Spanish earlier is because they were more afraid of what the Spanish would do to them than what starvation would do to them. Yeah. Also, the mayor of Leiden pretty much said, over my dead body, to the point where when they were complaining of starvation, he offered his arm to eat. Yeah, it was almost a literal over my dead body. Ridiculous. Anyway, hootsput. So it's October 1574. A year. We are now a year after the beginning of the siege. The city is saved, but starving. So they eat with whatever the orange army might have brought, plus whatever the Spanish left. Which is where hootspot finally comes into the story. <laughs> yeah. The legend is that once liberated, a little orphan boy found in one of the Spanish outposts a mash of carrots potatoes and parsnips that's like still cooking in a pot starving they ate it right so that makes it a spanish dish then nope still dutch okay it makes it a dutch dish then they i guess it's a traditional dish to eat at the october 3rd festival which commemorates the siege of leiden huh interesting it means hodgepodge yeah it's also called stamp pot sometimes there's tons of variations on this recipe yeah we actually we had to sift through quite a few recipes and a lot of people have kind of modified it over the years so we just took the the most simple version of it right the the true feeling of what the orphan boy found the carrots potatoes parsnips exactly we tried hutzput hutzput we didn't he try it? It was... You know what? It's not terrible. 
it's not flavorful, but it's not ter- terrible. Yeah. It doesn't taste as bad as it looks. Yeah. it's It looks like the kind of food that you would be eating after hanging out in a city under siege. Yeah. Starving to death for months. It is exactly what you would think that would look like. <laughs> it, is. It, is. it really is true to itself. It's a very honest dish. Right. In appearance and taste. Yes. So we made chutzpah a few times. Once in a very basic way with just the onion, carrot, and potatoes, and once in a little bit more modern way. The updated recipe was remarkably better than the one that we did the first time, so this is the one we're going to tell you about. So, for a batch serving three to four people, you're going to need about five small potatoes, Idaho potatoes work, uh, six carrots, one onion. We also used bok choy, and you can definitely incorporate other root vegetables into this. One uh, cube of beef or chicken bouillon. We used beef, and it was tasty. Three and a half tablespoons of butter, two chicken breasts, I would recommend the uh, boneless skinless, and salt, pepper, and curry powder, and you'll be doing those to taste. And you can add other spices, too, depending on what you like. So to prepare the ingredients, you're going to dice the onions. Tears are streaming down my cheeks at the moment. They really are. I know. Chop the carrots, cube the potatoes, chop the bok choy if you choose to use some, and cut the chicken into bite-sized pieces. Now boil together the carrots and potatoes with the bouillon base until tender. And this is going to take you about 20 minutes in total. And in about 10 minutes, you'll want to add about half of the diced onion. It's been about 10 to 11 minutes and nothing really has softened. I mean, the onions are starting to soften, but the carrots still need some time. So I put it on for another 10 minutes. While this stuff is boiling, melt the butter into the pan, another pan, and then add chicken, season with salt and pepper and a little bit of curry powder to your liking. And then after the chicken has started to cook, you can add the onion and chopped bok choy. This should cook in about 15 minutes, but just wait until the chicken is done and that the onions have caramelized. Then you can remove it from the heat. Back to the pot of boiling stuff. Test the potatoes. Make sure they're tender. And when they are, when it's ready, you just drain out all the water. Put them in some other dish. Mash it all up, but lightly. Go easy on the mashing. So that makes me want to strangle someone. How's that masher? Uh, it's actually pretty easy. Pretty easy to mash. <laughs> Everything is very soft. And then you're ready to serve it. Yeah. Add the chicken concoction to it and it's ready to go. Yeah. And that's that's your modern chutzpah. Thanks for listening to the first episode of Political Food. I'm Adrian. And I'm Olivia. You can find us online at politicalfood.xyz. Join us on Facebook at Political Food and then on Instagram and Twitter at Political Foods, plural. Join us in two weeks for our next episode on Brigadero's and its history. 